Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the C3 Church Podcast. You're about to listen into a message from one of our gatherings. To find out more about our community, where we gather both in person and online, and how to get involved, head to cfreechurch.ca. Now, let's listen into a message from a recent service. Great stuff. Well, um, I'm going to try not to kick over that little cup of water I've just put down. Um, before I begin, I just want to, um, just as we were worshipping, um, hello to everybody that's online. Good to see you. Welcome. Welcome here to Vernon, best place in the world, uh, as of right now. Um, hey, see, I thought, I wonder, oh, look, oh, it doesn't, doesn't take long. Um, just before we begin, just as we were worshipping, I just had a sense of a couple of things, really. One is that um, the God is the God that, that brings healing. Yeah. Um, and um, this morning, I, as I was preparing and thinking about that, um, if there's someone here this morning or even online that you're struggling with heartburn particularly, okay? It's, uh, you know it's... We all, if we eat too much, occasionally too late, we get a bit of heartburn. This is something I'm talking about, someone that's a reoccurring thing that's happening to you. Um, I believe this morning that God can heal you from that. Um, and it was just a, something, a sense of that as well. Um, and also just a sense that if you're sick, yeah, if there's something wrong with you and you're just sick physically, then at the end of the service, we're going to leave some space for you just to come and be prayed with um, and allow God. We talk about this Holy Spirit we just sung about um, actually bringing healing and restoration. So there we go. Okay, so those that don't know who I am, my name is Jeremy, but people call me Jez. It's a long story. Um, let me just give you a little introduction about myself. Um, at the age of four, I met my wife. Okay, all right. At the age of 21, I married that same lady, yeah, um, for 33 years, she's put up with me together, um, we have five children, four here, one in heaven, um, I have a son-in-law, a daughter-in-law, and I now have a grandson, so when people say, what are your credentials, that's about it, that's uh, pretty much my, um, what it comes to. Um, so today, we're going to be looking at a, uh, what I call a myth, a myth buster. I've been asked to talk about a myth buster, and the myth is money is the root of evil. Okay? okay. All right? Money. That thing that we all use, all have. I've actually got some ser- I've actually got cash on me today. Real cash, not fake. I've not printed it. This is real cash, and we're going to use this cash in a little while. So I'll put it back in there for safety. So the myth is money is the root of evil. The answer is actually, no, it's not. The Bible is clear. It's the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And on the verse we've got, will come on the screen, in 1 Timothy, the Apostle Paul writes to to this young man saying, look, these people, look, come on, let me help you with your life. Yeah, 1 Timothy 6, verses 9 to 10, he says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and many 
and many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people um, eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced pierce themselves with many griefs. My question for us, first of all, is who of us here has dreamed about winning the lotto or lottery? This is a participation. Participation means you put your hand up, wherever you are, whatever location. Um, I know if I won the lotto, I know exactly what to do. I've figured it all out. Now, I'm not in it to win it, but currently, if I somehow won it, yes, I know exactly what to do. Yeah? Yeah. Um, who of us could just say this morning, I tell you what, I could do with a bit more money this month. Yeah, yeah, come on. Yeah. Um, who of us wish that we had just a little bit more so I could get that new thing? Yeah. Well, now we're getting, it's going to get, we're going to get a bit more awkward now. Um, who of us says, I've got all the money I need in life. I don't need any more money. Oh, good. So we're all being truthful. You know, our, our, no one put their hand up for those that were here. Um, you know, our human nature is to want more. You know, our world around us pushes us to want more. We live in an amazing media world that is constantly telling us we need more. We want more. Um, and, you know, um, if you, if just as a side issue, if you um, currently... Um, there's a film out on at the moment called Barbie. Okay, if you have Barbies, original Barbies, can I just say, good investment. Sell them, sell them now, because you'll make loads of money. Yeah, to do something with, which we'll come back to. Um, so for me, um, I've always got things that I want more of. I, oh, there's always things I want more. Um, and we're going to put on the slide some, just one of the things I've always wanted, but I never have had yet. And I say yet for a reason. Okay. Now, some of us will know what that is. At the reason you go, why that car? At the age of 10, I actually lived in Canada. So at the age of 10, I lived in Canada down in Surrey. And um, my teacher, my teacher owned that car. Yeah my school teacher, and at the age of 10, it was my dream to own that car one day, and it still is my dream, maybe just to drive that car one day. I've driven lots of cool cars. I've driven a Ferrari, a Lamborghini. I've driven cars. I've had the privilege of having friends who have those things, and they let me drive them, and I have driven them around racing tracks and things like that. Um, and we've all got things. We've all got something that maybe we don't own or have right now, but it's something we always we have. So I want you to just picture in your mind just something that you go, yeah, I've always wanted that. Just always wanted to have that. And, you know, I'm hoping I will have that. Yeah? yeah? And as we think about that, it might be too expensive. It may not be. Um, I mean, if you, if you put in your mind you want a jet, a personal jet... Well, you need to do well for that. Um, and I, I think when we think about the myth of money, you know, money is an amazing thing. Yeah, yeah it's a really positive thing for us. Um, 
we, you know, it can actually has the tool. It's a tool to transform lives. Yeah. It also is the tool that gives us shelter. It gives, it helps us to get clothes. It helps us to eat. It helps us to feed. Um, and I think as Christians, we can forget that actually, well, you know, money can be, it can be a snare. It can be a snare to all of us. We can all get messed up with what money can do. And the, the I had the, I've had, I've, Obviously, I'm a bit older than some of us here. Um, and I've been in lots of business environments and worked. And I've worked with and have friends who are extremely wealthy. Yeah? That in the natural, they won the lottery type of people. And they have everything, what seems to be everything. And yet, they're friends of mine. Um, and they're contra- I have two contrasting friends. One who is super wealthy. Um, and actually, I identify, it is basically lives a life that Paul is saying, do not get ensnared in. And I have another friend who is super wealthy, who has got God's heart when he handles the money. And, and both of my friends, I pray for one friend that the love of money would be what controls his life. And the other friend, I pray that God gives him even more because he knows what to do with it. And, Tim, and, and Paul, when he's talking about those verses in 1 Timothy, he's talking, there's two aspects. There's one about the love of money sending us crazy. Yeah, it, sends, it can send you money. If you've got money, you can do what you want, all that sort of stuff. It sends us the desires. And when we talk about the love, we're not talking about the agape love. We're not talking about a selfless love. Money can cause that actually it's a lustful love to do stuff and be stuff and have stuff. Um, and Paul also, at the same time, he's also talking, saying, actually, for some of us, we've actually got money. And for some of us, we may have inherited money. Or for some of us, we've won the lottery, whatever. And Paul's saying here, actually, with the love of money, can actually, for some of us, bring great fear and worry. Because actually, if you have money, yeah, if you have it, it's so easy to go, I'm going to hold it tight because the fear gets hold of and the worry because the enemy will go, well, what if you lose it? You're going to lose it, so I'm going to hoard it. Um, and notoriously, what that means is that we become tight and ungenerous. My friend who's a multimillionaire, is he tight, and ungen- is he, is he tight with his money? Yes, 100%. He, he lives in fear. He's going to lose it all. He never will. But, you know, and my other friend is the most generous person you've ever known. Um, he doesn't live in that um, because of a different heart situation. And for us, as we think about money, there's the aspect of don't fall in love with, with money and the negativity and the things you can do because money can buy you lots of stuff. Yeah? If you want to be bad, if you want to behave badly and you've got loads of money in your pocket, it's easy. It's dead easy. Yeah, it's, you know, not a problem. And if you've got loads, fear and worry can have a massive impact. A friend of mine, um, his brother won the lottery in the UK. He won two million pounds. Okay, yeah. He currently resides in a mental hospital because the worry and the fear that everybody around him is after it. They know he's got it. Now, not many people know he's got it. But he has convinced himself through mental health issues that he is 
they're after him. They're going to rob him. They're going to take it all from him. Um, and it's such a challenge for us when we think about our money. Now, uh, I'm not talking about the subject of how good we are with our money because I am not an expert, yeah? Um, I'm not an expert. I'm not a financial advisor. In fact, you know, I've done some stupid things with money. So I thought I'd be honest with you and show you some dumb things that I've done with money. So the first one, okay, is that. So that is me, yeah, with hair. It's a few years ago. So that's me. I, was, I, was at, I used to work in the fashion industry, and that's in Italy at one of the main fashion events. Um, put it back up because you'll need to see it. So that jacket, shirt, pants, trousers, trousers they're called, pants, pants, yeah, and shoes, that I am currently wearing $5,000 worth of, English term, clobber, clothes, okay? Is that any clobber? No, okay. Okay, so that's me drip, look at that, with the kids. Um, hey, come on, see? Respect. Uh, now, my appearance in that world is that I have got a status, okay? Yeah, if you're wearing that, oh, if you're wearing that, yeah, leave it up. If you're wearing that, yeah, okay, that's a status. I'm saying something. Yeah, I am definitely saying something in that picture. Um, but do you know what? It's not true. I didn't own any of that. I was working for a company that that's what they, they made. They made that stuff. So they gave it all to me for free. Yes. So I had this appearance of having the stuff and all the money and, and you know, I had a status of being a, you know, that, that's called, I was power dressing for the world of Italy with what I term as the beautiful people. Um, and yet it's not true. It's not the truth. I didn't have that. I would never, well, I, you know, I don't have $5,000 to spend on that clobber. I probably wouldn't. Um, but it's easy for us to appear that that money and that power and that situation, I was, I was you know, doing extremely well. Um, another area of my life where I've completely failed in um, was that when it comes to money is that um, I did a business deal. I've been in business for not so many years. Um, and it was an amazing opportunity came my way through someone I knew. And so I took our savings and I invested, yeah? And in 10 days, it all went. I did it because it would treble, it would make us extremely wealthy. The person I did that with disappeared from the face of the earth. And I had to deal with that personally. I had to deal with that with my wife, who I'd been married with for 33 years, yeah? And it was a serious event in our lives, yeah? Because I tried to let that money do something for us. And you can, you, I, can, I can crown it like it's, you know, um, for the Lord and it would help us and we'd be released. I did it for me and for us, for our own benefit not for what it could do for God, what it could do for all that sort of stuff. Um, and for a season, 
I was, for a season, we as a couple had to walk through that situation. And I stand here, for me personally, with my mental health and through my relationship, I, you know, I'm here, yeah, no understanding that money can really mess up. Yeah, and it is the grace of God, actually, that we keep going on the journey. And Paul is really helps us to understand that don't let that love of money, and it ensnares us so easily. It's such an easy thing. On the next slide, we just hear some other verses here of, of Ecclesiastes 5, verse 10. It says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless. I have a friend. I've got lots of these friends. They've all got loads of money. I, I, I think they could share it with me a bit. It'll be nice. Um, I have a friend that basically he earns in a month, yeah, um, he's a consultant, what most people earn in a year. Yeah? I mean, I regularly ask him, like, do you really earn that much? He goes, yeah. I said, what do you do? Well, I've got to do a few, few Zoom calls a day. I said, that's all you do? He says, pretty much. That's all I do. I said, man. He said, I might be a little bit clever. I said, yeah, but, you know, okay. Um, uh, but, you know, but it, even he goes, it's still not enough. It's still not enough. Yeah? Because he would go, it's easy for me to be entrapped in needing a new Range Rover. Yeah? Because ours is getting a bit old now. So I need a new one. Rachel, my wife, she, she, she has no idea about cars. Zero idea. The other day, we're just at a traffic lights just in, in town. And she goes, oh, we were talking about when we go back to the UK, we need to get an SUV. So we need a bit of, you know, car, you know. And... Um, Come right up past next to me comes this um, Lamborghini SUV. Yeah? Okay? And she looks, she looks, she goes, that's quite a nice car, isn't it? I said, yes. I said, shall we get one of those? She goes, sure, let's get one of those. Yeah? I have permission from my wife, yeah, to buy a Lamborghini SUV. I have the permission. I don't have the money for it, but I have the permission. And as far as I'm concerned, step one is there. Um, but my, that, that, that friend, he says, it's never, it's never enough. When you have so much, it's never enough. Because um, we believe actually money buys us status. It buys us friends. It buys us fans. Yeah? It buys us stuff to impress. I mean, if I turned up with, if any of you turn up with a Lamborghini out the front, yeah? I'd be like, I'm impressed. I like a Lamborghini. I like it. Please, can I have a go? Um, <laughs> and it also buys us power and control. Um, I've worked in different work environments where people with great money and wealth use that to power and to control us um, to do that. Um, and and it is, we, we just perceive that. Um, but my friends, two friends, one who has everything, He's a doctor, he has, you know, all sorts of stuff is going on in his world. He deals with all the celebrities, he does all cosmetic stuff, all of the stuff that makes us beautiful. He's in that world. He once said to me, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be able to help you. I said, I wasn't asking. He said, um, there's a thing called Botox. If you've never heard of Botox, it's, it's like it numbs you a bit, yeah? And he said to me, I wouldn't know where to stop on me. 
So he, I said, well, thank you. I, I don't intend to have any. Um, yeah. But, you know, he's kind of ensnared in that world. that It's a real world. Um, but his marriage is broken. He doesn't see his kids. He has one girl after another girl after another person after that. And he's, he reaches out because there's only very few people that treat him like he has nothing that's equal. Um, and he needs that. And my other friend here, who just is so generous, yeah, he said, God has given me the gift of business to make lots of money. And he figured out early, he said, when I had nothing, I figured out that the Bible teaches me to give and keep on giving. Um, there's a charity that in the UK that primarily helps vulnerable families, vulnerable children that need respite and things like that. And then they need stuff. These are families that are, um, you know, in social care and all sorts of stuff. Um, I know that this charity puts out a message to all of like, the people that are subscribed to it saying, well, we, we need a single bed. Yeah, we need this young family found, the, the child sleeping on the floor with nothing. Have you got anybody got, anybody got a spare single bed, yeah? I guarantee it's embarrassing for the, for the charity. He, by the time it's gone out, within 15 minutes, it's ordered, it's being delivered, that kind of person. And it's, it, it embar- the charity, the guy who runs the charity, he says, I'm embarrassed to put these things out because we know it's only coming from one person. Um, and no one's meant to know who that person is. But it's kind of like, oh my, because he's learned something. He's learned something in that. Um, and uh, okay, so... Before we go on to the next one, I've got some money with me. Who amongst us wants $5? Okay, okay, yep. No, it's no trick. Um, oh, yeah, you can have you there. Yeah, five. Who wants $10? 10 okay, $10 over this side. Okay. Who wants $20? Oh, okay. He was quick in the middle. Okay, all right. Just hold on to that money. You're going to need it because you're going to do something with it. Hmm. Right. So, story in the Bible. There's lots of stories in the Bible about um, people that have lots um, and discover why the importance of money, how it works. So, we're going to quickly look at the story of Zacchaeus. Um, He was a rich man, very wealthy man. He probably was a man, well, my understanding, he's a very powerful man, tax collector, dodgy deals, all that sort of stuff. But he used his wealth and his position and power to buy his friends, buy his fans. Um, by all accounts, he was living the rock and roll lifestyle in that day. Yeah, you name it. He wanted to do it. He could do it. He had it. Big home, the whole thing. Um, He wasn't a tall guy. He wasn't a big guy, based on the story that Zacchaeus climbs a tree because he can't see over the crowd to to try and see who this Jesus guy. He'd heard about this Jesus guy and saying, okay, well, is he, who is this guy? So Zacchaeus is like, I am the main man here. I'm the big man. I've got all the money. I've got all the fans. I've got everything going on. So who is this Jesus? So Zacchaeus, because of his stature, um, and he probably had a... a, um, a chip on his shoulder. Is that a term here? Yeah. You know that chip on the shoulder? Yeah, yeah. For whatever reason, whether it's to do with all sorts of stuff in our lives, 
we can have times where we, we have a chip on our shoulder yeah, about things. We think we are bigger and greater than we really are, um, and we use what we have on not, not well or not a good way of doing it. So he climbs a tree, sees Jesus. Just check out who is this guy. Jesus stops and goes, Zacchaeus, I'm going to have dinner with you. Come on down. So suddenly, Jesus goes to, enters the rock and roll lifestyle of Zacchaeus, yeah, um, who has much wealth, all that sort of stuff. And Zacchaeus gets to show Jesus, look, look at this. Look at all that I have, yeah. He maybe in, in our thinking, maybe he had five. 1976 black Corvette Stingrays. Maybe they're just all sitting out there, yeah? Whatever the equivalent is, he had it. Um, and yet in that meeting with Jesus, he encounters a true love. He encounters one that's not about lust and greed. He encounters this agape love, which was a selfless love. It was, I'm coming to you, into your world. Suddenly, Zacchaeus is confronted with all the stuff that's around him, and it's, it's worthless to him. He realizes, actually, that he, with the stuff and all the money, had made his heart hard. Because he didn't really care. He didn't really care about people or things like that. Yeah. That friend struggles to show empathy or care for people. This friend, well... He can't help but keep, keep doing it. Um, and Zacchaeus suddenly realizes that all that he has is nothing without Jesus. All that he has and, and all this, he confesses his sin. So he says, he says all of this, um, it's, it's, it's not right, it's not right, it's wrong. And he suddenly breaks from such a hard heart of I don't care and all the, the, the bad deals and all the cheating, lots of stuff. And he suddenly realizes that actually God and Jesus is who he needs. And that's much worth more than, than the money he gets. And suddenly you can see that because in the story, he even confesses. He says, I'm actually going to give back if I've wronged you four times more than what I've actually done, what I've, what I've done to people. And suddenly Zacchaeus' heart changes. Something changes deeply within him that is needed. And when we think of the, the love of money, what Paul is trying to say is, guard your hearts with money. Yeah. It's not to say that money is not a good thing, and it does so much. It enables so much. Yeah? For those of you who are currently holding my cash, which is now your cash, okay? All right? It's always a good thing to do with money. So the question is, how's your heart, those of you holding the money, and those of you not holding money, How's your heart to go and give that money to a stranger? Where's your heart to give that money to someone you know without telling them that it's there? Sometimes it's easy to give money because, you, you know, look, I'll give you, you $1,000, yeah, to you, Yeah. And you go, oh, that's amazing, thank you. And you get lots of thanks back. But sometimes it's, it's so much more amazing to actually go, I'm going to give it without you knowing. And Rachel and I have learned this, this thing we do. Whether we have lots of money or little money, we do this thing at Christmas. 
whether some years we go, okay, we've only got this much we can give this year, but we always give something to someone who we know without them knowing. And, and the joy for us is to figure out the crazy way to do it so they never find out. And we're not saying that it's, it, it's not, it, it could be we go, well, this year, we've only got this little bit. So we're going to give this little bit because it's a principle and it stops our hearts from going um, and hard. And so also then, like, where do we give our hearts in church? What are we giving to, them, to where we tithe and we give and we give to charity? We give to other members of the family. Um, do we give and do we expect return? I don't expect any of that money back. Okay, it's not a huge amount, sum of money. Um, but what I do want to encourage you, those that have the cash, is to go and find a stranger, give it away, or give it to someone that you think, God, who needs that, that you, somehow it's not you giving it to them. Yeah, or give it to, to something that is outside of yourselves that actually does it. And what it does is it actually softens our hearts to money. We then see it is enabling us to do something with. I'm not saying, you know, don't pull, don't pull all the cash out of you off your credit card. That's not right. It's, just, it's, it's, it's our normal stuff. It's that normal principle. Someone, our friend, he learned that early days. He can now give enormous amounts of money, and he does, because he's broken that power. It's broken that power. Um, Hebrews 13 says this. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What, what can mere mortals do to me? Um, we are going through currently as a family, we are shifting back our location. Um, and um, how many of you know that to move is expensive in Canada? Yeah. We know, yep. Yeah? It's expensive. How many of us know that to move to another country yeah. is even more expensive? Yeah? And, and we're having to go, the, my budget doesn't tie up at the moment. It's not all working good. It's not going well. Um, but we, we've had to come back to Hebrews 13 and say, actually, God won't leave us. He won't forsake us. And it breaks that hold and that power that the money that I have is all mine. It's not actually, it's his. Because he could, he could make me win the lottery, you know, all that stuff. Um, because I have to trust that God is my helper. And that's where we begin. We start to view money very differently. That actually it enables us to see lives transformed. I like nice things, you know. And if I can afford a 1976 black Corvette Stingray at some point in my life, and, it's, oh, I'm a, and, you know, it's not going to affect anything else. I'm going to buy one, okay? I will. You know, I've got no, no problem with having good things and nice things. But certainly my heart in it is it's okay if I don't. And it's okay. But I think the heart for us is with money is for each of us to go today, okay, what is it in my heart when it comes to my money and our, or our money, whatever, am I allowing, am I loving it when I'm doing some stuff that is not helping me? Am I allowing addictions to come in um, and my money facilitates those things? Um, but also for some of us that do have 
actually, am I full of fear and hoarding and controlling and hoping and fearful that somehow it will disappear? Or actually, have I got a different heart that Jesus' heart is to be a giver? A wise giver, but a giver and a sense of, you know, and giving, it's, it's always easy, I say, it's always easy to give when you've got loads of cash. It is easy. You know, well, it's not really impact me. But like for us at Christmas, when we do our little thing, we know that that's going to impact the presents that we buy for each other. Yeah? So it's a cost to that giving. And actually, every time we've done it, it's, it's you know, it's worth it. It's worth the doing because it opens my heart. It makes me realize that it's, it's, it's not all my, it's not me doing it. It's, it's, it's his. And we're here to facilitate that together. So I want to encourage us and challenge us. Those of you who have been given some money, you've got a task to do with that, that money, um, however you see it. But also I want to encourage us, those that didn't receive, didn't put their hand up for money, is what, what are we going to do today? What, what can, action can we take this week? If you've got $1, $5, $500, $5,000, can you give it? Can you find someone? Can you find, a, you know, um, so that the whole, the love of the money, the, all that can control us at time, you, you start to be free from. So I'm going to pray for us because each of us hold it. I have times where I'm challenged with, I think I'm, I'm slipping into that whole loving it and it's all my money and, and uh, you know, da, 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 all that sort of stuff. And actually, I need to come back and say, God, it's your money. I have to be a good steward of that money, but I don't want that in my heart. I don't want that to control me. Thanks for tuning in today. Each week, we gather in cities across our region and online to explore the truth of freedom available to all in the message of Jesus Christ. To find a gathering near you or to find out more, head to c3church.ca.